Hello everyone, I'm doing another podcast. I know it took a while for this one, but I wanted to talk about that Netflix movie, um, Malcolm and Marie with Zendaya and, um, what's his name, uh, John David Washington, who if you don't know is Denzel's kid. And he's an incredible actor, but I saw a tweet the other day where it was like, you know, I, I, ju- I just think he's going to be better than, I just think he's going to be better than Denzel. I'm like, why can't we just be like, yeah, he's a really good actor instead of being like, yeah, he's going to be better than, you know, one of the greatest actors of all time. It's kind of like in basketball or in sports in general where, you know, this this prospect is coming up. He's pretty good. And then people are like, actually, I think he's going to be better than, you know, Michael and LeBron combined. Like, there's no reason to do that. It's just be like, yeah, he's really, really good. But, you know, I, I was watching this movie because, really because, you know, I had an essay to do and I didn't want to do it. So I just, I just found something to distract myself. And this movie happened to be it because I just saw, I saw one of my friends talking about it. So I was like, you know, why not? And I just had a couple of thoughts on it. It's going to be spoilers, but it's not really spoilers. You know, it's one of those movies where there's not a lot of twists and turns. So even though I'm going to be going, I'm pretty much going to be going over the entire movie and just giving like some of my thoughts on it. It's not a movie where even if you listen to this and then you go watch it, you're going to be like, what the fuck? You spoiled everything for me. I can't enjoy this now. Uh, so, yeah, you know, my first thought on it is I don't understand why it had to be in black and white. Uh, there was no... I don't think it... I don't really think it added anything. I think... I, I actually think more color would have been better here. But the director, the screenplay artist, you know, they decided to go with black and white. What I don't think it was bad. I just don't think it added anything. And uh, so the first thing is, you know, they get home after like a movie premiere. He's a screenplay writer, you know, John David Washington Malcolm. Um, so they get home and my first thing is they're rich but Instead of just getting, like, food on the way home, she's about to make him craft dinner mac and cheese. And I just want to say, I would be an immensely better rich person. You know, obviously this is a movie and these characters aren't real, but, like, these characters are real in the sense that there are rich people that would behave like this and I just don't I just don't understand why they're rich and why God was like you know what I'm gonna make these people rich and not me when I say me I'm not talking about God I'm talking about me specifically you know I think I just would have been a much better rich person I think I would have been using the money you know, to help other people instead of hoarding it all. You know, I just think, you know, I wouldn't be making craft dinner mac and cheese. You know, I would be doing rich people shit. Just really makes me upset that God made, you know, these whack people rich instead of myself. 
All right, anyways, back to the movie. So they get home after this uh, movie premiere. You know, he's you know he's really hype. You know, it's a big day for him. His his movie is on. It's, I guess play is on the big screen. You know, everyone loves it. Everyone's coming. He's giving like this speech to her where he's like, you know, everyone's coming up to me. You know, even like the the white woman from the L.A. Times. You know, she's talking about how fucking I'm a genius. I'm gonna be the next Spike Lee. And, you know, he's just he's just going on and on, and she's just making the mac and cheese, and she's just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. She hasn't, I don't even think she's spoken any other words than, yeah, yeah, I feel you, I feel you. You know, she's, so, you know, you can tell there's something wrong here, and you can also tell that he's not good at reading her, because it's very clear she's upset at something, or she's indifferent about something. So, you know, she's still making the food. She's like, you know, what what do you want with the mac and cheese? And he, he looks at her and he does like the very drunk, horny thing where he's like, you know, actually, I don't even, I don't even want the mac and cheese. I just want, I just want you right now. So then, so then he gets behind her. He, he starts like, um, starts like kissing on her neck and he just, you know, moves uh, all the way down. And like, now he's, he's not, eating her ass but he kind of he's like kissing her ass i guess but she's turned to him and you can see her face and she's got this stone face she's she's saying okay so he's sweet talking her you know he's like you know even though everyone at the theater was you know giving me all these compliments i I just couldn't take my eyes off of you you know this is this is actually what i wanted the entire night you know i would um i would i would i would rather have this than all the compliments i got and she's just stone-faced but she's talking back she's like uh-huh yeah that's so sweet of you thank you all right so now he can tell she's not really feeling it so he asked her hey you know what's wrong you know was it was it this thing that happened was this bitch you know did she say something to you and you know she's like no no i'm good let's just eat and then let's go to bed. But he can't, he can't let it go. So he's just like, he keeps asking her what's wrong. But he keeps talking about other people. You know, he, he talks about like, you know, did this producer say something to you? I know I saw you talking to the lead of the movie. You know, she, she, she thinks you don't like her. So maybe something happened there. Like what's going on? And then she she's like, oh, so you, do you really want to know? And he's like, yeah, I do want to know what happened. And it turns out at the end of the movie when he gave his speech, he thanked 155 million people but somehow forgot to thank her. And this is where we find out that the story he wrote, she believes is based on her. And the story is about this uh, drug addict, uh, you know, whose life was in the dumps, and you know she starts going to rehab, and like it's it's just a story about you know this addict, you know, who tries to get clean, and like that's what Marie's life was, and she just thinks she thinks she's the inspiration for it, so it's weird that he forgot the inspiration for it but the thing is he doesn't believe 
it's her. You know, she can't, he can't, he, he, because he wants it to be just all him. He doesn't want it to be like, you know, I got this idea from someone else. Someone else inspired me to write this. You know, this is, you know, this is all me. I did all this. And, you know, she's too tired to fight. She made the mac and cheese. You know, she goes to bed and he's eating it. But he's still, so he's like refueling. He eats a little bit. And then he's like, what the fuck do you mean? Imani was based on you. Like, you know, how could you even say that? It was, it was clearly all of my idea. How could you even say that? So, you know, he's calling her fucking stupid. I, I, I do think, I, I'm pretty sure he called her like fucking stupid, you know, for thinking that she's the, she, that the character in the story that he wrote is based entirely upon her. And, you know, she's like, um, you know, you're, you're abusing me. You know, you're saying all these things that are hurting my feelings. And, she, you know, she keeps saying abusing. And he's like, what do you mean by abuse? What, what you think? And then she has to clarify. She means verbal abuse. And he's like, well, thank you for clarifying. You know, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to think I was actually abusing. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course, no one believed that you were abusing her physically. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course, that's not what's going on. So I thought the dialogue here was pretty trash. And the thing is, he, he refuses to acknowledge that even though she had a very similar life to Imani, you know, the character from the movie, that it was based on her. You know, but, you know, we get to the point where, I guess he acknowledges the movie wouldn't be as good without her. So, you know, they make up and uh, she's kind of upset, but she's not really upset. He's like, you know, can I kiss you? And she's like, no. But he's like, I, I really want to, though. And she's like, no, I don't want you to, though. Um, but then they start hugging and she says, she whispers in his ear, you know, don't take me for for granted and he says i don't and it's like what the fuck are you talking about like the whole fight you just had was about you taking her for granted and not acknowledging you know what she's provided for you you know she's she was kind of like an inspiration for your book your not book your movie your play and you didn't thank her in your speech. So you, you are taking her for granted. And when she's... So you just had a f- whole fight about... Don't take... You, you're taking her for granted. And she's like, you know, don't take me for granted. And you say, I don't. Of course you do. That's what the whole fight was about. So, you know, they're making out. It's like a... It's like a collage of them hugging and... Not fucking, but like... About to fuck, I guess. And they're talking in between... And about three minutes in, he says, you know, you should have never gave up on acting. You know, I think you would have been really great if there was a character that gave you the freedom to be yourself. And that's like, and that's what just happened here is like if your girl takes you back after you cheated on her and then you bring it up again. For no reason at all. Why would you even bring it up that she would have been a great actor if she stuck to it if a character gave her the freedom to be herself when you just made a fucking movie 
with a character that's loosely to almost fully based on her. Why don't you just give her the fucking part, you moron? But, you know, it's late. She doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight. And she, I think she's leaving the room, and he goes to the living room, and he's got a drink in his hand. He puts on some music. And the song he puts on, which is a fucking fire, I will say this. The song choices in this movie were fucking fire. They were so good. So he sits down, and the song that he puts on is, you know, I Forgot to Be Your Lover by William Bell. And to the song itself, it's only, I love the song. I listen to it all the fucking time. My only issue with the song is two fucking minutes song. It needed to be a four-minute song. It needed to be a five-minute song. And I think the last three minutes of the song should have just been dead silent and me just crying in the studio. And the song is about, you know, William talking about how he didn't do the little things to to keep the to keep the relationship going. You know, he didn't tell her he loved her enough. He didn't do this, he didn't do that. And he's sorry. You know, he he like Malcolm was taking this woman for granted. You know, he you know, he got her and he stopped doing the things that led to him getting her and I do think that's a very very male thing to do I don't think I don't think I don't think it's a very woman thing to do I feel like men typically more so than women start taking you know their partner for for granted you know I don't I don't really hear a lot of songs about you know women being like that and I don't really hear a lot of stories about women being like that. So she's like, do you really think you just playing the song about this man in a similar situation, you know, with an entirely different woman is a fix here? Like, do you really think this is appropriate? And this starts a second fight. But I wanted to talk about one thing she said before the second fight started, she said, you're not jealous at all. And, you know, when I heard that at first, I was like, what's the big deal? He's not jealous. You know, that means he trusts you. But then she said, you know, you're, you're not jealous to the point where it looks like you're indifferent about me. And I do think there's a line between not jealous and indifferent. And I think that line has absolutely nothing to do with jealousy. I think it has to do with the rest of your relationship. I think it has to do with, you know, if is that person taking you for granted? Because if they are, then their jealousy, or not not jealousy, but their 
unjealousy, I guess. Is that the right word? I'm not sure. But then if they're taking you for granted and they're not they're also not jealous, now that can be seen as indifferent. But if they're doing what they're supposed to do, you know, if they're not forgetting to be your lover, you look at their you you look at them not being jealous as them just trusting you. So, you know, I thought that was somewhat interesting. But let's talk about the second fight. And and here's the thing. The second fight, once you've ignited it, is way, 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 way worse than the first one. Because the first one, you're really just trying to get it over with and talk about your problem. But the second one, it's fucking on now. You know, everything is coming out, all the emotions, all the, yeah, you know, I hated that. I hate that you gift, that gift you got me three years ago. You know, why would you think I wanted that? You know, now it's not about you didn't thank me during your speech. Now it's about, you know, you're needy and I couldn't do what I wanted to do because you consume me. Like, I'm, my whole life is about you. You know, you can't do anything outside of me and the way he responds to her i i really think he's a dickhead and i don't think like if one of my homegirls was dating a man like him i would be trying to break them up at every single stop because he uses her drug addiction and depression against her you know he's like you know i I cleaned you up you know when i met you you were this you know you you had nothing going for you you know i took care of you i did this and this and this you know if it weren't for me you you would be you know fucking like uh with some scissors like trying to cut yourself you know that's what he said to her which is like what why why is that something you would even say like what a lot of the dialogue in this movie is very unrealistic you know when malcolm was eating his macaroni and cheese and like calling her stupid as fuck you know she came out of the bedroom i guess and she was like are you really going to belittle me while eating the macaroni and cheese i just made for you it's like why why did you guys have zendaya say that like for what Anyway, so he's talking about, you know, I did this for you. I did this for you. You know, you, you know I even took you back, you know, when, when you cheated on me because, you know, you were so high on drugs or whatever. And the thing to me that's always been interesting with cheating is I think if you're the cheater, you just have to be willing to make all the sacrifices if you want it to work. You know, so you have to be okay with, you know, occasionally forgetting, being forgotten in a speech. But the thing is, if you want it to work and you can't make all those sacrifices and, you know, you're tired of them, you know, always throwing it back in your face, you just got to go. Like, there's no, there's no solution here then. Because if you can't make those sacrifices and... You know, you're always going to be hurt when they throw it back in your face. 
there's there's nothing for you here. And I'm not even like judging someone if they're not able to make those sacrifices. Like you gotta like you just gotta go. Like it's not good for you either. You know, it's somewhat similar to if you got a babysitting job and uh you know, you're making thirty dollars an hour, you're working five days a week, uh eight hours a day, you know, you're making good money, you know, thirty dollars an hour is a lot of money. But the kids fucking suck. Like they are just the worst. But then you get another job opportunity where you're only making, you know, maybe like eighteen dollars an hour. But the kids that you're working with are, you know, fucking angels. They're like they're the they're the best kids ever. Like you you isn't you're not even working at this point. You know, you have to decide is the twelve dollars worth it in this situation, like the extra twelve dollars an hour, is it worth it dealing with these just fucking garbage kids? You know, it's in the relationship you have to is it is being with them worth them occasionally forgetting you in a speech, occasionally, you know, throwing it back in your face. Is it worth it? You know, can you can you make that sacrifice? If you can, then you have to leave. You have to do what's best for you. Uh, all right, let's get back to the actual movie at this point. So she thinks, you know, he, you, she thinks, you know, he stayed with her, helped her get cleaned up, and did all of these things for material. You know, he's got everything handed to him and he's got nothing to talk about. You know, he had a you know great life, you know, his parents were, you know, professors or whatever. And, you know, he lived in the nice neighborhood. You know, he went to the prep school, he did all this stuff. And she throws a, you know, he's got, she she throws a jab at him, which is kind of funny. She's like, because he was always talking about, like, this fucking white woman at uh, L.A. Times that he fucking hates. And he, she says to him, you know, you're probably more privileged than that white woman. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. But, like, her whole point of the speech was, you are not interesting you have not it's not it's not that he's not interesting it's that he can't talk about what he wants to talk about because he's never experienced it you know he's never had that struggle you know he can't introspect and talk about you know what his life was like uh so he, he, she feels like he's used her and that's why he stuck with her through everything and you know she she says you did that all because you just don't want to be labeled a mediocre filmmaker and after that you know he's kind of drunk and you know she said her piece and they they separate they don't separate they go they go do something else like she goes to take a bath and he goes to walk around outside they have like a pretty big uh, backyard, and he's drunk. He's walking, and he's like, "You fucking bitch! I can't believe you said that." You know, he's, um, you know, what do you mean I'm a mediocre filmmaker? What are you talking about? You know, he's kicking like bushes. He's punching trees. 
that that was one of the more realistic parts of the movie you know that's something that you definitely relate to and that's something people have been through i don't like the, the one of the things with this movie is there's a lot of realistic things in it but then there's also too many unrealistic dialogues you know i mentioned <laughs> i mentioned the macro the macaroni and cheese thing you know that was i don't think anyone in the history of language has ever said anything like that or even close to it but the idea of just walking around you know drunk kicking trees punching bushes you know mimicking what the person you just had a fight with said you know what, what do you mean i'm a mediocre you know what do you mean i i'm, I'm privileged you know that that's that was uh, very relatable so he's doing that and she's taking a bath and the wish in the in the washroom and not the washroom i guess it's a bathroom because it has a bath in it <laughs> um there's a window and she looks to the side of the window and he walks towards the window and he he knocks on it and he's like what do you mean i'm mediocre you know so she, so she said a lot of fucking awful things to him you know she called him you know privileged you know, she says he's boring. He doesn't have anything to talk about. You know, he's this, he's that. He's, he uses people. He's needy. But she knew, I think she knew that the thing that was going to hurt him the most was the mediocre part. Because in the beginning of the movie, you know, he's talking about people coming up to him saying he's going to be the next Spike Lee. And if he's mediocre, that means he's not he's not going to ever reach that height. So she knew that was that was like a triggering point for him. So he gets in there, he's like, what do you mean? I'm mediocre. You know, he's like, did you, did you really mean that? Were you just angry? You know, do you really think I'm mediocre? She's like, I never said you were mediocre. I said, you're afraid of being mediocre. Then he's like, what, you didn't like the movie? You thought the movie was mediocre? And she's like, that's not what I said. I'm saying, you're afraid of being mediocre of the movie being mediocre that's why you've been talking about the la times and all these review uh websites and yeah websites and whatnot publications i guess the right word so that's why he's been talking about that and you know she just had her turn being hurtful and to my count to my count it's one to one because she just said because he already called her like a fucking idiot you know he said you know if it wasn't for me you'd be like cutting your wrist right now and so she came so he he already said he already did the hurtful shit so she came back and she said her thing where you know you're needy this is why you did it you know you're afraid of being mediocre you know you're not introspective uh you know you're boring you might be boring so to my count it's one-to-one but like I said before, when that second fight starts, the score does not matter. Like, everything will come out. You know, on that first fight, it's, you know, you say, one, you say your thing, I say my thing, we make up, and we're done. The second fight, I don't give a fuck about what the score, I don't give a fuck about what the score is. Everything will come out. I don't respect it because I don't, I don't feel like I, this is, 
the way he's about to go, I can't relate to that. I'm not sure. I don't know. How, I guess the, maybe the people I just hang out with, they wouldn't be like this. So this is where this is another thing what I find unrealistic, but I could see why the screenwriter was like, we have to do it like this. So he's like, what did you just say all these things? Did you did you say all this to hurt me, Marie? So he, then he gets into he doesn't get into the tub like this. Um, it's like right outside the he's uh, holding on to the tub, I guess. And he's like, well, if you want to hurt me, Marie, you know I can hurt you. 10 times worse and I heard that and my only thoughts were why the fuck do you want to hurt your partner 10 times worse why are you proud of the fact that you can hurt her 10 times worse even if you could why would you even say that why would you even want to do that so you know like like I said before like that's something I can't relate to it's not really something I want to relate to so not only does he say that, he actually does it. You know, he starts talking about, oh, you think, you know, Imani's based on you. You think that walk was based on you. You think that story was based on you. Well, that walk was actually based on my ex-girlfriend, you know, the one that I really, really loved. Um, you know, this thing, this, um, you know, beautiful scenery that was in the film. You know, you thought that was when you and I went to this place. But really, it was when me and my other ex-girlfriend, we went to this place. That's where I got this from. You know, she's someone that, you know, was this beautiful woman. And now she's this, um, I guess, still beautiful. I guess that wouldn't change. But she's like a Christian woman now who's got these two kids. She did, She's divorced. And she still DMs me every now and then like, you know, I wish these kids were yours. And I don't know what to say. So I just send her like heart emojis or whatever. You know, he's trying to hurt her in a way where it's, um, you know, I, I didn't get the scenery from you. And I also have, you know, women from my past still messaging me. And the next thing he says, I, I really feel like it wasn't just crossing the line. It was also, it should have, I guess it should have been a relationship ender and he really kind of sort of really snitched on himself because he was giving one more detail about the movie and how he got it and it was it was I guess from a stripper or I guess a prostitute you know he was with her okay firstly he talks about all the places he and this woman we're fucking and he's saying it to her like you know we fucked in the bed we fucked uh you know at the in the in the pool you know we, we might have even fucked in the closet you know he's trying to he's trying to hurt her and then he says i even have a picture of her laying on a, a heart-shaped bed and i keep that at home in a photo album and at that point, I was going, she should kill you. You keep a picture of this woman at your house, at your house where she also lives, you know, Marie. And you keep it in a photo album. Firstly, it's like, why would you keep it in a photo album? Like, why would you not 
like even if you wanted to keep it and be like a scumbag like that why would you keep it in the photo album like you know at least respect her enough to hide it like why would you what if she goes through, what if she's like looking for pictures one day she goes through it and she sees it like wait she, you think she's just gonna like stay with you and it's not gonna turn into anything you just i just feel like he's got no respect for her not putting that in a secure place it also shows maybe he just doesn't care about the relationship that much because if he's that if he's that confident that even if she saw it, if she somehow ran into it and found it, that she would, it would just be a fight, and sh- but she would still stay. And she looks at him and she's like, are you done yet? And you know, she, she looks like she's about to cry. And she's got the face where, she's about to cry, but she's got like this weird smile on her face. You know, she's about to cry though. And he looks at her, he looks at her and he's like, not even fucking close. And, you know, this is the part about the second fight. Like, it doesn't end until everything comes out. So, you know, he gets up and he's like, you know, I I feel like you have to make me feel like shit. So I will need you. And that if she makes him feel like shit, she will more understand more so understand why someone would want would would love her because she doesn't feel good about herself just so she can't understand why someone loves her when someone else is just like a regular person so she has to make so he feels like she has to make it so he's also a piece of shit person and that's the reason he loves her and he's like you have to understand I just love you for you you know I love you because you're so talented you do this you're good at this you can do this you're fucking crazy but like I don't I don't really care about all of that I just love you and that's sweet but it did remind me of the Iceberg Slim story where in his memoirs he unintentionally talks about how abusers keep the abused you know there's always um conversation about like you know if you're being abused you know why, why do you keep going back to this person there's there's so many reasons but this really shows this the story that iceberg slim i don't think he was i don't think he told it to like help you know the abused I think he was just telling a story to tell it, but it really shows how manipulative abusers are. And the story is that when Iceberg Slim was a, you know, a younger pimp, he had this woman, he was like, I don't like saying hope, but like, I guess that's the word to use. I'm not sure. I'm just gonna keep saying woman. so this woman that worked for him, he could he couldn't control her, like, and he was having a tr- he was having trouble, he was young in the game, so he goes to an older pimp, and he's like, "Yo, how do I control this woman? I'm having trouble," and he looks at Iceberg Slim and he goes, "That's fucking easy. All you have to do 
is beat her with a coat hanger and then run her a bath, get her some bandits, get her some pills, and she's going to be so thankful that she's going to forget that you were the one who beat the hell out of her. And, uh, you know, Iceberg Slim actually, he understood the, he under, it was an analogy because I imagine the other, the older pimps, that's how, I, how, how they actually did it. But he understood the strategy. You know, Iceberg Slim, he couldn't do that himself. So he actually, he actually went up, he went about it a different way. What he did was he had a, the woman that he was dealing with, he, he told her, hey, you know what? You can leave, but I just want you to do this one last job. And the job was she, she had to go to this hotel where this man was waiting for her. And he had this briefcase with, I guess, a lot of money. He put He keeps it under his bed. So what she had to do was go in as a prostitute, I guess. But she had to sneak this pill in his drink that would make him fall asleep. And then she was going to steal the briefcase and get it for Iceberg Slim. So she goes in, she does, you know, he's there. Uh, you know, she puts the pill uh, in, a, in uh, his drink. And, you know, he, he, he's knocked out cold. But there's no briefcase. And he's dead. So she, she goes running out. And she's like, I swear, he's dead, he's dead. You know, what the fuck? Oh, my God. You know, she's panicking now, and he's like, oh, shit, he's dead? Fuck. Uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. You know, I know the police are on the way. I'm going to make some calls. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to see what I can do. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you, I swear. You know, I really appreciate this. Thank you, thank you. You know, so he calls up some uh, cleaners. They go in, they go into the room. They clean everything up. Uh, he calls up a detective that he knows. He comes in, you know, he gives like a report and he's like, yeah, you know, he just had a heart attack. No, no foul play. And, you know, the woman sees all this and she's like, oh, my God, you know, Iceberg Slim, he's doing all this for me. You know, I'm so appreciative. But what happens is he he hired all those people like all that just happened. Like he he orchestrated it to make her feel like, oh shit, you know, my life is falling apart and Iceberg Slim just helped me even though he's the one that really, even though he's the one that put her in that position. So, you know, Iceberg, so she ended up working for him longer than she wanted to because he, he helped her in this situation that, you know, had her stressed out. And watching... Malcolm, you know, say all this horrible shit to Marie, you know, you know, I was, you know, I got this from this ex, I got this from her, I got this from her, you know, you had nothing to do with it, you are a drug addict, you know, you're this, you're that, if it wasn't for me, you would be nothing, you know, you want to tear me down because you're a piece of shit, and you want to be, you want me to be a piece of shit too, because you can't fathom how someone like me could love you. And then he just goes into, you know, I just love you because you're, you're great. You know, you're so talented. You can do this, this, and this. It really, it made me feel, it made me think about that because he just, he broke her down. He actually broke her down 
and then built her up by saying all these things. So now she's like, oh, wow, he thinks I'm talented. He thinks I'm this. He thinks I'm that. And, you know, there's not really a lot to say now. He leaves the bathroom. He's sitting on the porch. Uh, she finishes her bath, and she joins him on the porch. They're not talking. They're not saying anything. And she puts on a song. And I, I can't remember the song's name right now. It's really annoying me. But the song was essentially about this... Uh, fuck, I'm, let me just find the song real quick, actually. Um, all right, so the song is uh, Get Rid of Him by Dion Warwick. And the song is about, you know, this, this man that she's dealing with, you know, he's a piece of shit. And uh, she knows it. Her friends know it. And the hook is like her friend saying, you know, you got to get rid of him. And she's like, I can't. I can't. You know, I love, I love him. I can't get rid of him. And, she, you know, Marie in this is doing the exact same thing that he did when he played, you know, I forgot to be your lover. You know, he, she's using a song to show how she feels now. Which, you know, I thought, I thought that was cool. I thought that was pretty neat. And as that's going on, you know, he, he leaves. And he got the review for the film. You know, someone sent it to him, I guess. And he's going crazy because the L.A. Times woman that he fucking hates made a comparison that he was afraid of. You know, it politicized the movie where she's like, you know, this movie represents how, you know, women of color don't get the proper help that they need in the medical area, I guess. And he's like, yeah, that's, it's true. Like, that is true. But that's not what I was going for. I was just trying to tell a story. Like, not everything has to be politicized. So he had an issue with that. And he goes on for like, I'm not even kidding. I think he goes on for 20 fucking minutes just about that. You know, just about motivations on you know why some filmmakers who you know a jewish filmmaker might be you know making a documentary about like palestine you know uh you know what what's the motivation about things like no people don't know why something strikes with someone like why does someone want to make something because it doesn't have to be like i don't have to be a brown person and because I make something, now it's a brown representation. It can just be like a regular representation. You know, it can just be something everyone relates to. That's, I guess that, that, that was his point. Like, not everything I do has to be from, like, a black perspective. You know, it can just be a perspective. So he's going insane about that. You know, he's saying, you know, this LA Times fucking woman, you know, she's a fucking idiot and all that shit. And, you know, Marie, she's just laughing at it. You know, she's... She's just, laugh, she's just laughing about it all, you know. She's having a blast watching him freak out. Not freak out, but, like, just go insane on the review. And, you know, it seems like everything is good. And, you know, they have another mini fight after that about her saying, you know, why didn't you cast me? You know, I would have been great for this. And he's like, oh, so this is what the whole night's been about. You've been jealous. You've been upset because I didn't cast you. And he's like, I didn't cast you because... You didn't show any passion for the job. Like, you didn't... You were so nonchalant. And if you wanted this, I wanted you to show it to me. And one of the things that he told... What she told him was, like, 
I'm genuine. Like this, I actually went through this. You know, I have the experience. I, I'm genuine. And he's like, I don't give a fuck about that. I care about what you do on that stage. I don't care about your genuineness. I don't care about it. So she leaves. And then she comes back. And she's got a knife in her hand. You know, he's laying on the floor. And she, she's she got like this crazy eye going. She's like, you know, I did all this fucking horrible shit to you. You know, I actually haven't been taking the meds like I was supposed to, you know. And she's like inching closer to him. And then she drops the knife because he's freaked out. And she goes, this is what being genuine and actually having gone through provides for you. Like I actually, I would have been perfect for it because I actually went through it all. And after finally calming down, he's like, why the fuck didn't you audition then? And, you know, she she's in the bedroom now. She's happy that she fucking scared the shit out of him. And he's like, he gets in the bedroom and he's like, you're fucking crazy. And, uh, yeah, like, it's, I think that's how it ended. Like, they had some more dialogues after this, but it wasn't anything special. You know, my, my final takeaways from just the movie was, I thought... If I had to rank the best things in it, I would say song choices, number one. Acting, number two. Uh, the dialogue, 159th. I thought the dialogue in the movie was very unrealistic most of the time. I thought whoever wrote it was trying to sound smarter than the rest of us and I think the problem that happens here is that when you are in an argument when you are in this type of argument where it's two hours where you already had one fight and now you're heading into a second fight where you know both of you have like the fucking you know guns loaded you got the grenades with you you got the rocket launchers with you you got everything no one gives a fuck about sounding smart at this point. We just want to we just want to throw shit out there. We don't care about, you know, how good my grammar is, how good, you know, like how big words I'm using, you know, these big words. No one gives a fuck about that. We just want to get shit out there. We want to make our points. We want to talk over you. I don't want to I don't want to listen to you talk for 20 minutes and me say nothing. And I think that was a big issue in it. But you know, I don't think I don't think this was a good movie, but I would say it was an entertaining movie. I think it's a movie that you don't entirely regret watching, but you're also like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch that again. But I don't regret watching it. I'm not sure I would recommend it to other people. Actually, you know what? I, th- I think I would. Just because it is a movie where it goes by... I don't think it goes by quickly. I think it's just... It's an entertaining movie, like I said, right? So people... I would recommend it just on, just based on that, that it was entertaining. And yes, that's it for today, I think. Have I told you lately that I love you? If I didn't, darling, I'm sorry Did I reach out and hold you In my loving arms Oh, when you needed me 
Yeah. 